You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season 4, the starter set. My name is Mark of the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me today my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and my eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. It's a Monday afternoon, which is abnormal for us, but we wanted to get a little bit more game time in with Duelist 2 before we recorded this episode, part three of uh, of our Duelist 2 coverage. Uh, but uh, before we jump in, we have lots to talk about today. We're going to go over an overview of each of the six factions and our opinions on it. Not that we're experts at all in that, by the way, but just what we're thinking about it. Uh, before we dive in, though, DBN, how are you doing today, man? What you've been up to, what games you've been playing, how you enjoying Duelist and other card games? Yeah, so um been playing three games, and that's it. So I've been playing Destiny 2. I played it with you late last night. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, we we got you a cowboy hat. Still no cowboy hat for me. Uh, no, well, thoroughly, sad for you. But... Thoroughly bummed. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we've also been playing Pokemon Unite. So Gibby and I actually have been on the content grind for our Pokemon Unite podcast, Aos Airwaves. We've churned yes, out we like have. two episodes. we got a third one coming out uh, or that we're going to record tomorrow. So uh, it's been wild. We've also been playing at events. We got raffle stomped uh, <laughs> uh, this week, to say the least. Uh, not not our not our best showing, but uh, I think we're still sitting in third in the league overall. So even though we got we are. our butts whooped, we're we're hanging on by a thread. Uh, <laughs> um, and then of course, Duelist, which if I'm being honest, it, the more I play, the more it grows on me. The more I get into this game, I'm I'm. I am not binging it yet, which is like I typically will get into a binging state when it comes to card games. I'm not there yet. Mm. Biggest reason probably is because it's not on my phone. And I think I'm like really glad it's not on my phone, which I, I think for the bet for probably for the for most people, it'd be great if it's on their phone. For me, it's not. Um, and I find myself burning out super fast when I have a game on my phone. Um, it's almost like the instant access to it devalues it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm loving Duelist, that. and uh, the little bit of extra time we had to prep was really exciting because I got to jam some more games and uh, watch some games, which we'll talk about when we get in there. But um, yeah, just yeah, three awesome. games for me. Yeah, uh, how about you, Gibby? How you doing, man? What you been up to? What have you been playing? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's Monday post daylight saving so i'm i'm a down about an hour or two asleep depending on how you look at it i feel like it compounds over the course of the days after uh after the time makes the switch being in central time and working on eastern time so uh dragging a little bit but coffee is my friend uh as ian said been playing uh some pokemon unite been qu- quite heavily into that game per the usual uh the new season for rocket league dropped so i, I did some of my placement matches for rocket league um been playing duelist as well i i 100 agree i feel like i burn out a little bit faster when it's more accessible on my phone so the fact that it's not it requires me in my free time to sit down and make a concerted effort to play it and i have really been enjoying it um through our process here of uh splitting up the factions and that will that will be going through how we kind of did a little bit of a draft about what we wanted to play i did get to play 
one of my other favorite or one of the other factions I was the most interested in uh, that I hadn't played yet. So that's what I've been mainly spending my time in doulas doing, which is kind of diving into the other half of the faction and make sure I could talk about it and uh, just making that effort. So it, not that many games for me either, but or very few games, but been playing a lot of them. Nice, man. Yeah, for me, uh, I had some travel, which is one of the reasons that we had to push the episode. Uh, and so still on the snap train, uh, still playing snap, um, not daily anymore. I found uh, myself coming to it like every couple of days right now. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe it is like every other day I'm playing a little bit and still kind of enjoying that game. I'm to the point now where I've maxed out set three. So I only need set four and five cards and they're way too expensive to buy in the token shop. Uh, yeah. And I just feel like my progression in that game is completely stalled out and has definitely had an impact on my interest in the game overall, which I was kind of worried about would be the case. Big like agree. once, yeah, once I get through set yep. three, will I have any interest in this game anymore? And uh, I I think really like the uh, how aggressive the monetary system is in that game is not apparent until you finish set three and they put like these candy eye candy cards uh, at, you know, four and five that you really want to get your hands on. But the only way to get the hands on them is to spend exorbitant amounts of money to buy packs that have stuff you don't need and some tokens that you do need because it's the only way to actually accumulate tokens quickly to be able to purchase this set five four and five cards that you want so i've been a little frustrated with that game uh which has driven me into the the loving embrace of of destiny 2 um which has (laughs) also gotten a little bit of heat with the latest expansion um but finished the campaign on legendary and just been grinding up that power level and uh you know checking boxes so um, really have that game at a sweet spot. MMO wise, Mark loves a Mark so. loves a video game checklist. Uh, I do love a video game <laughs> checklist. I do love that. Uh oh, yeah. Give me a list of things, and they they did a really good job of that this year. Where like this latest expansion literally gives you a checklist on leveling up your guardian rank. Um, it's and, actually really nice. I love it. Yeah, it's Uh-oh, really there's well some done. heat on the expansion. Maybe I should hold off, guys. Oh, I don't, no, I don't know. no, it's perfect. Maybe, maybe, the irony. Maybe I should. The irony is that the, all the heat about the expansion has to do with the story, um, yeah. which has never been Destiny's strength. Um, literally, and never everything, at all. literally never. Last expansion was a, actually a good story, but besides that, it's always been a weakness. Uh, but everything, mechanics, UI, quality of life improvements, uh, it's it's a good expansion for everything except the story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I'm a sucker for a good story. Well, uh, with yeah, the I give oh, up. Sure I give that. up. I'm sure, I officially give I'm up. Sure, it's not that bad. I officially give it, up. Gibby, it's pretty bad. You never have to. It's pretty bad. Why is it that bad? Uh oh, well, no. without go, without getting well, too well, deep story. into yeah. it. The story is uh, it's just the cl- it's like a, a hodgepodge of like uh, action movie tropes and MacGuffins. Uh, Okay. It's yeah. just uh it's, it's silly, some but... overpromise and underdeliver with one very obnoxious Gen Z character. Um yeah. So the, yeah. the it's it's uh there there's a character that just has literally just the writing is so inconsistent on it and just is disconnected from everything else that's going on in the it's Destiny really, universe. Like really Destiny is character. in like a is in like an Avengers Endgame style like 
the world is ending. Like, this is just everyone's gonna die. And this guy's like, hey, what's up, guys? And it's just like, oh, you're the worst. <laughs> you're like, why why are you here? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like, hey guys, Understood. I got my longboard here. Anybody want to swing over to the local new Korean joint and get some kimchi? Like, okay, yeah, bro, it's, just it's like take just a deep like, breath. Back the off. world is ending. Just just chill. Like, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay, no Stop spoilers. Stop being obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and other than that, playing a little bit of Duelist, uh, because I've been away from my PC for like a week, it has been four or five days. It's been hard to get it in, uh, but literally got some games in this morning uh, before we started recording, which I'm pumped to talk about. So uh, there's a lot for us to like kind of cover today, and so we didn't want to spend too much time uh, BSing in the beginning of the episode so we could dive into this. One of the things that we did in Discord was ask uh, a, sort of a veteran player from Duelist 1 to give us a list of you know cards that you should get your hands on. And he gave us a mega list of cards that you want to craft. Um, and we're not necessarily diving into that, but it sort of began to spark another idea, which was what if we had a discussion? Because we're not met, you know meta experts. What if we had a discussion on each faction each of us take two factions have a discussion about those two you know six factions um in one episode so you can get an idea about what makes each faction unique um and what may or may not draw you to that specific faction so we're each going to take two today and have a little bit of a drawn out discussion about each one so you get an idea if you're getting into the game maybe what you want to spend some time focusing on and maybe what faction you want to play to start building your collection around that faction um and then with that also i just want to point out that that list is over in our discord server and uh along with it uh jt who posted this awesome long list of cards for each faction um there he also posted a uh, uh like a meta snapshot um that a guy put together um that gave like the top i don't know one two three three or four decks for each faction um, that you can go scroll down and kind of see what are the top decks and what spells and creatures do they play. Um, and so if you're interested in that, be sure to check that out because I think that's really cool. You hear a faction that you like, grab that meta snapshot and think, hmm, maybe I'll start working towards some of the cards that are in this list that are that are powerful. Um, so yeah, check it out. Okay, well, let's dive in, guys. You, are you are you feel ready? We ready to, you got your, got your list, you ready to go? Let's do I'm it. ready yeah. to rock. Awesome. Well, I'm going to kick it off with the first faction, the Lionar. Uh, the Lionar are kind of the faction that you get default right when you come into the game. Um, it's the one that you're going to use to play AI games to unlock the other factions. Um, and it is the quintessential holy warrior armored up paladin. So uh, if you played Hearthstone, it's equivalent to paladin. Um, it doesn't have a direct equivalence. I don't think if you're still with us from the Tesla community, the closest would have been, uh, is it, what was it yellow? I can't remember what yellow was. Is it willpower? Uh, yeah, I think it was willpower. Yeah. In, in Tesla, um, kind of equivalent to Demacia in, um, legends of Runeterra, um, some similar qualities, but of course, because this game has board, it, it plays very, very differently. And so, like, in terms of uh, some of the stuff that we wanted to touch on was, A, the faction name, about the art style and theming, the unique keywords or tags that you're going to see in it. Um, what, are the, what are the removal mechanics? Because that's an incredibly important part of this game. Um, and then what are some of the common strategies? So, you know, the name is the theming is that sort of 
armored up paladin, you know, frontline warrior type of class. Um, if you like that aesthetic, this definitely has that. It's not my favorite aesthetic in games. And I think DBN, no. you would probably agree with that as well. It's not your favorite either. No, uh, I don't think it's any of our favorites, really. To Gibby, it's not really like the it's super kind of, armored no. guys. It's kind of bland. No, it's <laughs> yeah. It just feels Overplayed. like the the classic. Yeah, it just feels like the classic militia. Like it's really kind of all it's got. Yeah. yeah, lions and some angels and some warriors, and then guys on lions and people next to angels and mm-hmm. armor, and that that's basically lions you know what it is. Angels, you know. Yes. Mass yeah. Lions, angel, riding yeah, angels, lions riding angels. Lions riding angels. Um, (laughs) there's a literally a guy called the silver guard knight that's just a dude carrying two tower shields i don't know how you how you do it but he does it so uh so if you like it but if you like too many uh dark souls videos (laughs) (laughs) yes it has some of that vibes to it yeah um but yeah if you like armor like if if you like like heavily armors or like paladin type characters which some people swear by right They, they really enjoy that play style I think that that communicates through not just in the game, but not just in the art style, but also in the play style for this particular faction. Um, If we want to look at unique keywords and tribal tags, I'll say this. This is not a unique keyword, but provoke, which is sort of like this game's equivalent of taunt, is seemingly more fact, more common in at least in terms of powerful cards in Lionar than it is in other factions. There is Provoke in Neutrals. I think some of the other factions have Provoke as well. But there are several cards that have Provoke in this faction, which literally reads, uh, stops nearby enemies and generals from moving, and they must attack this first. So you can kind of you know pull all the attention towards that. It also has an ability called Zeal, um, which gains a bonus effect when it's nearby your general, which sort of pushes this faction if you want to play zeal into playing provokes to sort of get into melee combat um as close as you can with people so you're kind of rushing people and then once you get into that melee combat you want to lock them down with provoke creatures to keep them locked into you and distracted from your general and then you want to use your zeal creatures to really uh you know put a hurting down because they're the ones that are getting a lot more powerful if they're next to your opponent or I'm sorry, next to your general, um, which I think is 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 really cool. Um, but that's about mm. it, right? Like that's about there. There's not a lot in this that I would say. I mean, it has some airdrop minions and stuff, but that's pretty common already. Um, it has a little bit of healing, but honestly, I think that uh, Magmar has better self healing than this faction does. Um, it has a few equipments that you can put on, but it sort of pales the the sort of pales in comparison to some of the other stuff that you can get it has a little bit of removal but most of the removal is kind of iffy it's like a lot of it is sort of like minor you're really really trying to be super board based um in the way that you're going to remove stuff and the way that you're going to try to close out the game um a lot of its minions are kind of chonky on the back end right you know in the four yeah, six stats. eight ten twelve yeah it, it has stats but not in the same way that magmar has stats magmar has like a lot of balanced stats um this guy has a you know this faction lionar has a lot more you know beefy butts mm-hmm. with the exception of its zeal creatures which sort of break that standard a little bit if they're next to your general um okay so there's one piece of removal that you just need to be aware of in this faction it's probably one of 
you know, Lionar doesn't have a ton of removal, or they have like true strike, deal two damage to a minion, whatever. Um, two damage to all units with Tempest, but none of them are overly great. It's one piece that is really good and potentially one of the best pieces of removal in the entire game is Martyrdom. This is a two mana spell. Mm -hmm. Destroy a minion and heal its owner's general the amount of health that minion had. So you heal the enemy general, but in this case, you're trying to keep tempo. So you're probably doing a lot of damage with guys with big beefy butts. So the general hitting back for two isn't killing your minions anyway. So you're getting multiple hits in with your minions, typically trying to get your your enemy surrounded and get multiple attacks up on them. So if you can martyr them and even give your opponent back, you know, five, six, seven, eight health, it's usually not a big deal because your enemy's general cannot attack you because it's constantly provoked and your enemy's general can't go very far because it's constantly surrounded. And so you use martyrdom basically to remove problem creatures and gain a ton of tempo back for just two mana. Um, I think I pretty much have covered everything that it's weird because this strategy, there's not like, you don't look at uh, Lionar and be like, well, there's three clear strategies here. Uh, <laughs> there's one. Uh, but you guys have each both played this faction at least a little bit. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I, I think the main thing that like, I, I think if I was going to plus one something you said, uh, it's the healing. And while I don't think it has uh, general healing at the same rate that some other factions do, uh, it does have a lot of support for like unit healing, like healing your own minions that have those, you know, big butts. Um, and then very much so. Uh, I, and I think celerity is another thing I've seen a lot um, on a lot of their units too. So like the attacking twice per turn or whatever, mm -hmm. or activating twice per turn. But, yeah, that's uh, true. There is some. There are celerity minions outside of the factions. So I thought that one's not exclusive. No, for sure. But... For sure. But you're right. It has. There's at least two or three that have it in the faction. Oh, and the other thing that I've lost to a few times, or at least have scared the crap out of me a few times, is the uh, equivalent to the. I think it was a priest card that adds someone's defense to their attack. Yeah. Oh yes. man, that can I've mess murdered you by up. That. And I'm pretty sure there's a whole deck based just around that. Uh, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's not like set it equal to your your health yes, it's, it's just give it. add <laughs> yeah. give it like yeah. i i was so confused because i was expecting it to work like the priest card in hearthstone and it doesn't and i was like what is going like, like i did the math in my like i got killed by it the first time and then i did the math it's so, okay i think i'm safe from that if he plays that card here but not understanding the way it worked and yeah and i still, still got by it. is one of my least favorite factions to see across from me um which I think is like uncommon. I'm pretty sure that's not like a common thing. But like every time I see Lionar, I just groan because I know that like the provokes that you were mentioning are just going to make what I really like about the game, which is like high mobility, move around, reposition. I feel like I have a lot of outplay potential because of the board game component. And just like, oh, I have to deal with this stupid, you know, provoke zeal uh guy that has way yep. too much stats for the cost yep. oh it's the worst repulsor yep. beast pack it in and it, move though. at me like a phalanx yeah repulsor oh, beast the... really mess up uh the zeal <laughs> units though yeah the things that just well honestly the ability to teleport your minions around period if you can kind of get the minions out of commission this doesn't really have a lot of ability to sort of reposition or 
it's kind of a one-trick pony, right? You're going in, you're trying to win on tempo, you're trying to surround your opponent, lock them down with the mobility the is like so. not its thing, I think, in the way no. that it is for mm-hmm. other factions. But I, I think like yeah, it definitely has. It's it, it it's had maybe of except for Magmar, like the stickiest board states where you're just like, I can't clear these things efficiently. It's so annoying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's go on to the next one. Gibby, you're on the next faction. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I'm going to cover Songhai. Uh, Songhai is essentially the equivalent of what I've been told is like Matt is red in Magic, which fits because they are red and almost theme. Uh, somewhat feels like kind of like a Noxus vibe in from from Legends of Runeterra. I can't necessarily speak to the Elder Scrolls Legends uh, piece because I never really was in was in that game but some of the things that song high really does well it's very comboy and it has a lot of mobility mm. so it's they they really predicate themselves on being able to move around the board and um utilize kind of stretching out uh the art style and the theme feels very i don't know it it's kind of kung fu very martial arts combined with like corruption is the way that it feels uh, very scorpion esque in legends of the five rings. Um, it's, it's got a lot of really cool characters in this and like some very powerful spells. There's a lot of spells in song high. There's, there's entire decks that work around being able to drop a lot of cheap spells and the, the numerical amount of spells that you're playing per turn or per game will will bring benefits for you um you buffing buffing your minions based on the amount of spells that you're playing or after you play x kind of cards refill your hand the kind of you always want to have a full hand when you are playing songhai they're very aggressive so some of the unique keywords and kind of tribal tags here from a minion perspective there really isn't anything that songhai has that is really tribal necessarily um from a minion perspective, like how we had some of the celerity minions or um, some of the zeal minions, we don't really have that. Um, probably with Songhai, the one, the most notable and really probably one of the only notable keyword here is backstab. Backstab is very powerful. It basically what backstab does is if you are, you have to always be paying attention to what side of the board you started on, because if you are directly behind a minion, uh, uh, an opposing minion or the opposing general it also works on generals as well if you are directly on the space behind them and you attack uh, a minion or your or their general it deals additional damage based on what the, the text of the card says and it does not provoke an opportunity attack back like a counter strike back so there's also a little bit of protection in that uh, being able to do backstabs you're basically doing damage for free by n- and not provoking any attacks back killing your minions they'd have to do that on a follow-up turn because they can turn around and hit your minion at that point but on your turn it doesn't provoke anything um like i said earlier there's a lot of mobility in in song high part of the removal mechanics uh can be they have several ranged minions that do a good amount of damage there's a three one um which it, it struggles to stay alive but the Widowmaker. Uh, it's a ranged three attack one health minion so it can be can be killed pretty easily but when this attacks it draws a card at the end of your turn so you can do a lot of damage from far you can even give your your general ranged or give your general backstab so there's ways to 
um, to buff your general to keep them alive from distance. Um, there's a lot of flying going on going on in Songhai as well. One of my favorite cards is the Scarlet Viper. It's a five. It's a five cost that has flying and backstab, so you can basically just move constantly around the board. But more than that, I think from a removal perspective, Songhai does a very good job at damage single target removal. So things like Phoenix Fire for two mana dealing three to a unit, or looking at things like where's the other one? Oh, Twin Strike, dealing two damage to exactly two enemy minions and then drawing a card. Hmm. You have kind of a lot of single target removal, but it's a lot more complementary to the movement mechanics and being ha- and being able to utilize the full board, spread out, and then when you see the right opportunity, collapse on the enemy general and just rush them down. Most Songhai decks want to be able to close out a game by turn five, close out a game by turn six. They're not really looking to get into the late game and fight a stat battle against something like a Lionar, a Magmar. They want to utilize spells, keep themselves at range, and do enough damage to get maybe the general to half health and then burst them down with, with kind of a full hand. Yeah, I mean, I've played this, uh, played against this faction a few too many times. Uh, I haven't actually queued a game with it yet, um, but it's definitely backstab is a unique keyword to just this faction. So you're right, there is not a lot in this that like is unique other places um, except that, and it seems like it has a more heavy emphasis on ranged than what the other factions have as well. Um, but the thing that is like crazy is this deck has like this this build there's like a spell burn build which this game Mm -hmm. feels super board centric um but this is the only deck that i have found that really relies that heavily on spells and if you look in the meta snapshot that we have i think there's one at two three four there's four lists uh from this faction and each one of them is like a dps spells list in some way uh for the most part right makes sense to me i mean yeah, you've got a like a legendary minion at two that's got rush, but pretty much everything else wants to sit back and grow until it can pull off a really big backstab, or it wants to. Um, there's a there's a minion in here that grows every single time you play a spell, or deals damage to the enemy general every time you play a spell, which lends the hand to that you want to sit back, remove the enemy minions that are trying to approach you, and get into combat melee range and just continue to fire off damage from far away. It's almost like it's almost like constantly using the board and like running away to be able to keep yourself at distance, not close the distance and unless it's a backstab minion which then you're going to try to just pop up behind them and assassinate them. It's a very assassinate which probably is the best way to put it. It's a very assassinate heavy uh combo centric mm-hmm. faction. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So if you like aggro and you like casting lots of spells, uh, this is probably the faction for you. DBN, you're up with the next faction, man. Anything you want to say about uh, Songhai and then jump into the next one? No, I think uh, Gibby hit the nail on the head with Songhai. The big thing, it just seems like it is a uh, high skill ceiling, maybe maybe the highest skill ceiling faction of all of the ones that I've witnessed. Now, this is just my interpretation of it. You have a lot of decision points like when you're playing mostly minion based factions like you're 
you have the decision point about what to spend the the mana on, uh, and then you have the decision of where you want to place it around the board. Now, that's a lot more decisions than a Hearthstone, right? Where you just slap it down and, you know, maybe which one, you know, where you put it in the exact ordering. Like, do you put it next to a taunt or whatever? But at the end of the day, like, uh, the decision points in this game are much higher than anything else. But with Songhai, how you spend the mana, the order in which you're spending it, who you're targeting with the spells, where you're, exactly. you know, what synergies you're pulling off in one turn, how you plan for the cards you draw. If you're if you're drawing cards after casting spells uh, and leaving mana, oh, it, like it, there, the skill ceiling seems incredibly high. It also makes it kind of hard to play against in some ways, um, if only because like they have so many different trees uh, that they could follow to counter you. It's hard. It's been hard for me to sort of predict what I think they're likely to do. Um, that being said, I feel like I'm just speaking for myself. It's like if you don't get those um, enabler cards, uh, or if or if the opponent can very quickly clear the enabler cards, the things that grow with spells, or the things that do things when you cast a spell, um, it can it can seem hard to play. And I don't know if that's your experience, Gibby. Yeah, I agree with that. It can be difficult to build up steam if you, especially because Songhai needs you to build up steam quickly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't want to get into the late game. You really need to be able to push tempo and be able to push a positive board state in the early turns. And if you don't find those combo pieces, you to kind of set up some of the, the lethal situations that you need. It can be tough. However, I do think maybe the benefit to that on the other side of the coin is Songhai does have one of the best abilities to be able to stall or dig for those for those combo yeah. pieces or those answers as well. They, because it has so many spells that or so many minions or spells that draw additional cards at the end of your turn or are just so bursty that you can most likely find a decent answer even if it's not the most ideal answer yeah they um they definitely do have a lot of card draw and that actually i think they're one of the two factions that do and i'm going to use that as a segue into uh the first faction i'm going to cover which is vitruvian um so vitruvian is apparently according to the 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 pro gamers uh probably the weakest faction right now um though i think it's still um got some some playability to it especially in the lower budget decks it, it feels like one of the strongest budget decks in like these low tiers uh that's out there right now to me i mean i have basically no legendaries or or epics in this thing and i'm stomping people um so what's neat about vitruvian uh from a thematic uh and art style perspective it's sort of a desert civilization you're seeing a lot of sand and wind themed uh minions and spells um, you have a neat little thing where, uh, you have three cards, three spells in it that are through each, a different wish, the first wish, the second wish, and the third wish, which I, I just find, uh, um, sort of fun and, and pleasing from a, uh, from a little lore perspective. I do wonder if there's a story there. Um, I'm sure there is somewhere in the, in the lore page, but, um, yeah, I think that there is somewhat of a lack of of uh identity when it comes to closing games and how they want to be winning the games that being said there this is perhaps the most like keyword and tribal tag rich or one of the most keyword and tribal tag rich factions out there um they have this really unique mechanic uh called gateways where you put down these obelisks these big zero man or zero attack six defense uh, uh towers that can't move 
but they do summon little two two uh whirlwind creatures every turn called dervishes uh, and dervish is a tribal tag which the faction uses quite heavily um in certain builds to effectively create sustained uh tempo as well as sustained removal because all of these little dervishes these little whirlwind guys always have rush and so as they are summoned every turn you're able to move them around and clear things or move them around and push damage uh and the only thing that they're limited by is the range at which um you know they can move from where they spawn next to a gateway and so that's a really unique little mini game uh when you're playing these of like where do i place this gateway uh, such that it can push into where my opponent's stuff is, but far enough away that they don't immediately clear it and I lose the value of it. So it's a really unique uh, thing. They also have Blast, a, 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 a keyword that's fully unique to them. I, haven't, I don't think it's on anything else. I looked through the collection and the crafting and I didn't see Blast on any neutrals. So I'm pretty sure it's fully unique to uh, Vitruvian. And that's probably one of the strongest keywords out there because it allows you uh, to... Fire your attack in a straight line uh, at in, in uh, at any creatures on the board, and it'll hit all of them. And only if you are next to uh, a creature, like directly adjacent, will you get retaliated against. Uh, which is, it's it sounds as crazy as it is, except that it's only on a few key creatures, um, or you can give it to your general with a special artifact. Um, so it's powerful, but it's very limited. And some of the early game creatures that have blast are quite weak. So it's, it's a tough thing to really capitalize on, but there is a five mana one that I find is a nice little top end finisher, uh, at least in these budget decks. And you start with three of them out the gate, which is really cool as a new player. They have a lot of card draw. They have a lot of things that can increase movement speed, especially when it comes to their whirlwinds to increase the range at which these whirlwinds can move throughout the course of the game. And there's ways to increase your general's uh range of movement um again sort of playing in with this wind theme that they have going on so looking at the removal mechanics um it's actually a little bit sparse so uh, you know for the card gamers out there the longtime card gamers you know there's this thing called soft versus hard removal and the idea being hard removal is something that will that will either deal four damage or destroy this minion or whatever and soft removal being things that you know, either like transform something, bounce something to their hand, uh, you know, reduce its power in some way to make it easier to deal with or less of a threat. And Vitruvian seems to have quite a bit of soft removal. Um, the main things it has the ability to dispel, which means to cancel of its effects and remove the um, any buffs. Now, a lot of factions have a dispel, but they have perhaps one of the best ones, which is a zero mana dispel a creature or dispel a minion so very very easy to execute upon there's no sort of uh obviously no mana restrictions but also you know no positional restrictions like some of the other factions um they have the ability to reduce something's attack uh down to one to make it easier to trade uh they have uh, a little bit of damage uh out there in terms of being able to um you know do a little bit of damage to a general and the things around the enemy general but for the most part, the removal is summoning dervishes in front of things through certain spells uh, or uh, being able to bring them up every turn through the gateways. The ex big exception and the one you have to look out for, and I feel like we're doing this for each of the factions. So these new players, if you guys are just getting in, you know what to look out for. Um, 
Vitruvian has a really strong and quite easy to use uh, spell called Entropic Decay. Um, and Entropic Decay says you can destroy a minion that is nearby an ally. Now that means an ally minion or your general. Uh, and it costs four mana. So it's basically as long as you can touch it, you can spend four mana and destroy it, which is, you know, perhaps the biggest asset uh, for this faction that by and large doesn't have a lot of good removal options. Um, I'll say this too, when it comes to like the powerful synergies and strategies, I've really, uh, obviously from a meta perspective, it seems like there's not a lot of really strong options, but the two ones that I've seen the most effective and I, I went in and when I was researching for this, I went to the watch category and I watched some S tier S rank uh, match replays uh, and just sort of looked anytime I saw a Vitruvian. And so I would watch that game. Uh, the biggest things that you seem you tend to see are artifact Vitruvian, which is focused on uh, building up the general and giving it blast. Uh, that's a really unique thing that a yeah. lot of the other, every faction has artifacts. Every faction can buff their generals a bit. But the ability for your general to sit in the back and start launching beams across the map is really unique and something that, while expensive, because a lot of the cards that support that are epics or uh, or even legendaries, um, really, really cool and, and unique. And then the other is an all-out blitz. Full aggro, you can create some debilitating early board states, and if they can't deal with your gateways, uh, which the problem is, is that there are a lot of factions that can do that, uh, easy specifically magmar if you can't deal with the gateways right away uh they will just snowball this early aggressive board state we're talking like half the deck being two drops uh it's really really strong when it gets going and the games go really quick so i imagine from a laddering perspective and this has been my experience playing a budget version of this you get a lot of games in uh because you're just you know you're either winning or losing in a timely fashion <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're either gonna smash, smash everybody, and, and, and knock your opponent out, or you're gonna be out quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've not, I've, uh, I've played against this faction. I'm yet to play this faction, and I'll be honest. Uh, I've there's been a couple of games where I kind of got caught off guard by the blast build, um, mm -hmm. where the opponent just sits in the back and shoots everything to death. Um, and it was like, oh, I Same. lined up poorly against that. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, okay, I lost. Um, yeah. the obelisk build I have not had too hard of a time with, but it could be because of the factions that I've been playing have just been able to remove the obelisks. And it's like, that's this faction's real weakness, right? It's like, right. Once your obelisk is gone, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like gate gateways doing nothing for you. Um, you know, or, you know, these, these guys that come out that can blitz your opponent down. If the obelisks get pulled away, like, oh, you're kind of, you're kind of up a crick. Um, yeah with this faction i think that's probably you're right one of the reasons why it doesn't feel super super strong um in the in the current current state of the game um i'm gonna jump into the next one give you anything you want to jump in with on uh, vitruvian uh i think the only thing i'd say is playing against vitruvian you will probably be the most active you ever are with using your general to attack things because you can most likely you're attacking the obelisks you're most likely going to be able to do damage while keeping your health pool high so there's a really good way to use your general also even if it means just chasing down the enemy general to uh, not allow them to sit back and cast you, you will be very active with your general playing against 
um, Vitruvian. Yeah, I can agree with that. So let me jump into the next one, Vanar, and this was the this was the last pick uh, of our group of our group because <laughs> this has been one of the hardest ones to figure out. And uh, I've had some decent games with it. So Vanar is uh, to start off with that's the name. Second off, the theming of Vanar is that it is a very uh, sort of Nordic. You know, this is your ice faction, right? This is your frail yord, um, it, so to speak. Uh, and so it's it's a very sort of uh, Draugr, wolf, um, you know, frozen barrier-centric deck. And this faction is unique in multiple ways. And I think that's honestly its weakness. Um, if, I'm, if I'm being completely blunt, it's almost like it's too many directions. So um, before we jump in, I like the art style and the theme of this faction. You know, it's it's pretty over the top, if we're being honest. It's pretty over the top in terms of, like, the way the creatures look or whatever. You know, they're huge. And you're I, I feel like the generals specifically for this faction are some of the most over the top generals, uh, like the one chick that's in full armor. And I think they're all like shield maidens or something. I think they're all girls kind of hard to tell um there's like one and like it's an obscene amount of armor uh and uh you know there's there's one chick is probably the most i I think she has a tail she's like the most scantily dressed general of of a batch i think um and she's from the world of ice but um it's been uh, it's been fun playing it um so the three things the one thing that's like unique to the action itself uh is the infiltrate keyword which as an additional effect while the enemy is on the enemy, while you're on the enemy side of the battlefield. So in that way, Infiltrate really wants to push you to get on the other side of the battlefield as quickly as possible. It sort of pressure your opponent um, in order to be able to get that uh, Infiltrate bonus off. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of that is in the control of your opponent just come on your side of the board. So you have to chase them to your side of the board and then you lose Infiltrate. And in which case, you're typically just playing kind of understated minions. Um, there is a little bit of uh, of like mana manipulation in this deck. So you have Crystal Crystal Wisp, which is a 2-1 with Dying Wish, uh, gain a mana crystal. Um, so you can kind of mana ramp a little bit with this faction, not a ton. Um, there's also another one that I think just gets rid of uh, mana. So both players lose a mana crystal, um, a one mana spell called Mesmerize. So you have a little bit of that. And then you have this whole sort of like walls faction that's baked in um, where you can summon these objects. They're really cheap to get on the board, right? So just for example, Blazing Spines, one of the cards that you'll start with is three mana and it summons two three threes but they have to be next to each other and they have the wall ability you can attack with them but they cannot move and if they're dispelled they're just destroyed so it's they're they're weak but they are the ability to get a tremendous number of stats on board and then beyond that you have this transform ability that kind of feels like you're channeling sort of like a nordic druid feel um where you have cards like aspect of the worm um, can transform a bunch of your cards into four fours with flying, right? Um, you have uh, Ancient Grove, which can summon tree saplings and things. Um, you have uh, Aspect of the Mountains, which can turn one of your minions into a five attack, five health, and deal damage to the stuff around you. Uh, you have probably one of the most basic ones that you get right in the beginning, which allows you to transform Aspect of the Fox, which allows you to transform something into a three three. Um, so you have the transform. You have the wall, you have some mana manipulation, you have infiltrate, um, all of that stuff 
is inside of this faction. Um, it doesn't have great removal, uh, at least not any of the cards that I have access to. Um, so things like uh, Hailstone Prison, uh, returning a mana, a, a minion to your opponent's action board for two is a pretty good tempo swing. Um, that one's not bad, but it's, it's not going to remove anything by you playing that. Um, you have another one that deals four damage to a minion and draws you a Vespar, which is uh, like a faction uh, minion. Uh, that's not bad, but frequently four damage isn't going to be enough to actually uh, remove the thing that you want to remove. Um, people use the transform ability. So if there's like a really big guy, you can transform them into a 3-3 wolf, or you can transform it into a 5-5 elemental and deal five damage to all the enemies, you know, all the things around it. Hopefully, theoretically, a bunch of your other's opponent, you know, turn a big 9-9 into a 5-5 and then deal damage to everything around it and clear a couple of your opponent's things. So what's interesting is there's a, there's a lot in this faction that is sort of dependent on what your opponent does, is what I've found. Infiltrate, really dependent on your opponent backpedaling into their side of the board and you being able to apply wait, what was that what was that keyword again uh wait what did i call it? i saw it infiltrate is that is that not <laughs> is that not how infiltrate 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 you're adding an extra, uh, adding an yeah. extra i <laughs> but i'm never gonna hear that word now it's infiltrate. Uh, there you go there you go uh yes so i mean it is very common for me to mispronounce words so infiltrate uh the infiltrate keyword uh you know is pretty dependent on them. Um, kind of the the removal and transform cards that you have is a little dependent on what type of minions your opponent is playing. I found a lot of times where I'm like, dude, I just want to remove this, not give you a three yeah. three wolf. Like I it's have not the same as yeah. Um, you don't really have a lot of stuff to like, you know, put stuff like uh, improve your own ally a ton, like your own general a ton. Um, the walls are really cool. And so the games that I won were games when I pushed, uh, placed infiltrate creatures onto the board. And then I would literally use blazing spines to wall them off. So they get close to my blazing spines. I deal three damage to them. So they want to stay away from them and I can push them back in and then sort of aggro them down. Uh, but I'll be honest, I'm not super, super impressed with this. Um, Avalanche is one of their key spells, right? Deal four damage to units on your starting side of the battlefield and stun them. Uh, that does it to you as well. And so you pay for to deal yeah. four damage to all your own stuff. Um, so I guess like the benefit here is, is like you advance to their side of the board and they advance to your side of the board to try to avoid you. And then you can avalanche them on your side of the board. But that you're all, you're also always pursuing them. Like you're not running to their side of the board and waiting for them to show up. Like, so I found that to be a pretty awkward spell as well. Although stun is really strong. Like avalanche is a really, really strong card, but it's very situational. And once again, very situational based off of what your opponent is doing. Maybe not necessarily what you're doing. The last weakness I have found of this set is they just don't have a ton of like chonky boys. Like a lot of their early game minions are pretty weak. You know, three health, two health, um one health there's just not a lot in the early game that you're going to drop that are going to be like able to contend with magmar or linar which are both pretty popular factions um so the only factions that i won against so far with this deck is, is pretty much stuff that isn't playing big boys i think i've lost every game i've come up against with magmar <laughs> just because it was too strong for me um but yeah that was my experience with it i don't know if you guys had any more luck 
actually piloting this stuff. I know DBN, you kind of started mm-hmm. with this faction, but it to me the biggest problem with Vanar is that it is too many directions versus some of the other factions that seem one dimensional, like Lionar. Vanar is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it definitely seems like if I'm being honest, uh, even just looking at um, some top tier lists and stuff. I don't want to say it's dependent on uh, legendaries, but I think it's dependent on a few things. I think it's dependent on um, really deep understanding of what the opponent's going to be playing, right? And so it's like you need to be able to predict what card they might drop on future turns so that if you have a specific type of like removal or a specific type of like um, spell, you can toss it back proactively not like oh i have nothing to play this turn crap let me throw it away instead it's like oh it's turn one and i've got a i'm playing against magmar and i have a i don't know a a dispel or something like that i'll keep it but oh Hmm. i'm playing against i don't know something else and i've got this dispel and it may not be quite as useful because they won't have a uh, a creature that they'll likely play that I want well, that I want to dispel f- until turn five plus. Okay, toss it, right? Um, and and so like there's some. It seems like Vanar is likely one of the more challenging. Um, sort of the deeper you understand the game, the more value you get out of it. Um, I do also think that while they have some individual pieces that feel really good, things like Hearth Sister and the Fenrir Warmaster. I think besides that, they have a lot of dead minions in their faction where it's just like you just don't play this mm-hmm. they're just yeah i mean the the card pools in each faction aren't huge right. right now anyway so when you have so many different split directions it's not like you have a lot of like tribal or a lot of faction specific cards in vanar that are probably enough to give you density within a deck to support a specific play style you end up splashing other play styles into maybe a major theme that you're trying to go for, or maybe one that you're trying to focus on more, you end up playing almost two at a time or more in that case. And I mean, I, from my experience with, I played a little bit of Vanar, but I played also against it. Vanar does not have any outside of avalanche and even agile avalanche is situational. They don't have any AOE, which can be hard to deal with a wide number of like a wide board state. If your opponent gets a lot of minions out quickly, you really don't have a way to deal with it. And to me, Vanar is one of those where you may win a matchup before you ever even start the game because it's just there's about half the matchups on faction wise that it feels like it does really well against because just spell is really strong mm. against half of the half of the factions. And then there are some where they naturally have a big base in stats. So even if you dispel Dominion or maybe the deck is more spell heavy where it, they're not really reliant on having specific units out yeah you're probably not going to fare very well against them so i feel like i feel like vanar can lose matchups or win matchups just based on who you queue into even at that i think i think once you get to the high level i think you'll likely see vanar take off um Hmm. and you have a lot of a deeper collection pool you can focus your your list uh but it seems surface level just to me it seems like the worst place to start if you're a new player and that's from an experience of three new players and we all seem to agree on it um i would steer clear of this faction unless you're really looking for a challenge um and you really want to take the time to learn what all is out there and and how to craft a deck that can 
survive with a limited card pool. Yep. Build a, build a strong neutral pool and to be able to supplement some of the things yeah. within your, your faction specific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the next faction. Uh, I think it's Abyssian in Europe. Uh, Gibby, tell us a little bit about this faction. Abyssian, have you ever wanted to go underground? Have you ever wanted to be an edgelord and play some dark minions? Do you have a thing for spiders and wraithlings, which are kind of like a combination of spiders and snakes <laughs> that are all dark? Then Abyssian is for you. Yes, Abyssian is more or less kind of like the warlock, necromancer, sorcerer. Gul'dan. Uh, it's Gul'dan. Well played. Yes, it's very much like that. Um, from a lore perspective, they are the underground faction who are trying to become like the supreme, like beings within the realm, and they very got very much got those kind of dark vibes to them. Um, you win from this time. <laughs> you <laughs> this time explodes. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of more in the theme art style. It is very different. Uh, you've got a little bit more of a humanoid look to a lot of the female and, and women characters within Abyssian. And then there's a lot of weirder creatures that are like males have taken on like a different kind of kind of viewpoint or like transformation. And then there's just a lot of like pure creatures um, from a unique keyword and tribal tag perspective. They do have some very strong themes with the shadow creep shadow creep being able to place these little thorns on on spaces where if your opponent lands on or ends their turn on or if they if they if they are there at the end of your turn then it deals damage to them on if they if they land on a shadow creep tile it deals damage to them based on the number of shadow creep tiles you have on the complete board so you're trying to control the spacing of the board by playing these shadow tiles and basically saying don't approach me or don't come through these tiles or else if, if you can't survive it or if you want to take a bunch of damage can be really deadly if you get a bunch of them out, especially for, uh, for opposing generals. Another one that is really big within Abyssian is the Wraithlings. The Wraithlings, as I mentioned earlier, are almost these like snake, like little like fire dark creatures that have like flame at the end of their tails and um, kind of a sinister look on their face. They're all really weak. And that's because Abyssian as a whole is a very aggressive, low stat minion, swarm the board faction. So you can, there's a lot of ways and, and there's some very strong deck themes where you can build, you can play a lot of Wraithlings, a lot of small minions out, and you've got other minions that will grow based on the number of Wraithlings that you play out or the number of Shadow Creep tiles that you've got out. A little bit of Assassin elements to it on some of the, the minions, like the Night Sorrow Assassin, which is a three cost that, uh, can destroy any any minion nearby with three or less attack. Uh, you've got some relatively good artifacts that aren't too cheap, but I think where this faction really shines is its ability to have removal in its spells. So they do have quite a variety of removal when it comes to their spells. One of the most notable is a couple of the most notable, Ritual Banishing for three mana. Uh, destroy an allied minion uh, to destroy an enemy minion. When you're playing out a lot of small small guys on the board like your wraithlings that are one ones you don't really mind destroying a one one to destroy a five cost seven five like there's so there's you're you're gaining mana by yes you're sacrificing something on your board but you're really sacrificing something on their board and even if you don't have a, a small minion out there are 
other spells like um a five cost dark terminus where it's just just straight up to kill something destroy a minion and summon a wraithing in its place so you destroy something and you get a one one back from it um and with a lot of these kill themes there are also another keyword here called death watch death watch is maybe one of the more tempo based keywords that rate that uh, abyssian can utilize where every single time a unit that you have on board witnesses whether it's an opposing minion or your minion die it does something so blood moon priestess as a four three four cost three three that says death watch summon a wraithling on a, on a random space nearby every time it watches something die so you can take a wraithling sacrifice it into their enemy general just to, for for one damage and she'll summon another wraithling so you can continue to kind of keep the ball rolling um there's a five cost unit that grows every single time you summon a wraithling there's a five cost unit that does one damage and heals mm-hmm. your general every single time you you something dies so there's a there's almost these vampiric kind of tendencies of of uh abyssian to want to spawn a bunch of things out play some decently statted but not overstatted minions and then play this game of how can i get the most out of sacrificing my own units that i don't really care about because they're cheap and they're small to get bigger effects for things in the mid game and keep myself healthy while just slowly trickling you down pushing board state pushing board tempo by being forward with small minions kind of blocking off the board and then just just work your way down um, with either spells to kill off big units and just keep your small units alive. I think Abyssian is a relatively strong and very popular faction right now in the meta from what I've seen. Uh, there are what I do feel like, and maybe it's the opposite of Vanar. It does have the ability, while there are a couple different themes here, like I've talked about with the, uh, the Shadow Creep tiles and the Death Watch decks and the Wraithling decks. It's almost what we saw a lot of in Legends of Runeterra where with um, Shadow Isles, also a dark theme deck, were just probably a coincidence though, where there, there's a lot of synergy in multiple keywords within this faction. So you can take it in a couple different directions and it will still play as a cohesive and rather powerful deck as long as you are used to some of the, some of the combo pieces. And it does require some setup Usually it requires you getting out a bunch of small things early and then you're able to kind of deal with what they've got. One of the best ways to play against Abyssian is continue to remove their small minions and prioritizing that because if they don't have minions on the board, they can't really combo into anything. They're forced to use some of their more expensive spell-based removal like Dark Terminus, like um, the other three-cost spell that I mentioned earlier. Like they do have strong removal, but it is expensive. And if they're spending mana on removing your units, that means they're not building their own board state uh, unless they already have small things out. So it requires you to be proactive in the early game and then kind of take it into a late game. And that's where you can shine against Abyssian. Mark, do you have anything anything to kind of add to 
any games you've played against Abyssinian. I don't think you've really touched this one too much, have you? I haven't. I've played against it a decent amount. I'll say be careful about the order in which you kill stuff against the Abyssinian minion that grows every time something dies. That card is nasty in this faction. It just has a lot of like tokeny revival type uh, mechanics. And I think it actually functions pretty well connected to it in conjunction with some neutral cards. Because there's some neutral cards, like it dies and responds. like that uh, bat looking thing that dies and responds. So I feel like this faction has a lot of cards in it that honestly just work really well uh, with what already exists in the game um and uh especially in the neutrals category and i like that a lot so yeah no i i i i like this faction overall uh i haven't gotten a big chance to play it but i think it's a really cool faction yeah yeah no i think you i think you're right on it gibby you know abyssian is um i i don't know if you mentioned it the one one card i'll i'll throw out there that uh everybody should be aware of and and you know, new players can probably get a lot of value out of and have some fun experiences as the demonic lore. Did you mention that one? Yep, yep. I was looking at that card, and I really wish I had said something about it, but you're 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. It's a little two-mana spell. Deal one damage and teleport something anywhere. It's it's uh, it's kind of like strong. the Repulsor Beast, but on a spell. Then it also deals the damage, so it's a little bit more flexible. Um, it's it's really cool. So, um, no, I think Abyssian is... Uh, so here, so one thing I'll say is like when you get to the top tier and you start watching top tier Abyssian matches, like you start seeing um, a lot of really pricey cards, like a lot of really expensive sort of finishers that I feel like that's what Abyssian misses. And from a new player perspective is like, you know, they have like Vorpal Reavers at six cost, which are legendaries and Spectral Revenants at seven cost, which are legendaries. And those are the things that help clear and finish the game. And you won't have that as a new player. And so I have mm-hmm. farmed so many Abyssian players on ladder because they're it's they're like, wow, let me play Abyssian. It's a cool faction. There's some neat stuff but they struggle to finish games. It's annoying. They'll blow up my thing, but as as long as I can deal with their death watch, you know, growing guy, um, Mm -hmm. one-to-one it's, it's an easy matchup. So I'm not going to say Abyssian is a bad faction to start with, but just playing against it. Like think about how you want to be trying to close games. And if you are using those death watch things as a finisher, like, you need to be thoughtful about when you play it and where you play it. Cause if I can deal with it, you, you won't, you won't win. <laughs> That's just one thing I'll yeah, say. I think, I think early on you need to have some, some of that vampiric spells like void pulse for one man, yeah. deal two damage to enemy general and heal yourself for three. You have to keep a solid health, health pool. Dispel will absolutely destroy yeah. your deck with Abyssian. Cause you, because fun fact, you can also, dispel the shadow creep tiles they aren't even minions necessarily but the spaces yeah. if it's if there's there are cards in vanar specifically and i think vitruvian as well that say dispel spaces yeah. that removes the shadow creep as well so yeah. um watch out no yeah but i at the same time though you absolutely can play a very aggressive build um and it seems probably fairly cheap to play like an aggro um i i will also want to shout out one of our listeners melendar that i 
played against uh, on the ladder and had one of the tightest, uh, toughest games that I've played so far in this game. And he was just checking out the game. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many hours he played before we queued into each other, but, uh, and he was playing a busy and he gave me a big run for my money. I, I think that you definitely can get a lot done with a budget build, but um, just something to throw out there. So the last faction here we have is uh, Magmar. We've actually referenced Magmar quite a bit. And I think the reason we've been, perpetually referencing magmar is it's a very strong faction and i think while it may um it may not at the highest level uh be the number one or even top three faction according to the pros it is very good uh in the early and mid uh phase of building a collection you can do really quite well with it in my experience and mark's experience um, I don't know if Gibby really played Magmar, maybe just a little. I played some. Um, it's really good early. And when you're building a budget deck, um, there are some very high-powered commons and rares that you can pick up to immediately get a nice little edge up on the competition. Um, so what's neat about Magmar? Basically, the art style and theme, they're big, angry reptile people. And that's that's pretty much it, right? Uh think like uh almost sort of um I, I guess like tribalistic um you know reptile people uh, i think a lot of their some of their cards seem to have like um you know very like claw and egg and like naturalistic um you know references to their to their effects uh, and they do seem to have some things that are like um, you know, uh, elemental effects, plasma storms, and and crazy sort of thematic stuff like that. Um, from a uh, unique keywords and and sort of synergies and stuff like that. Uh, there's some cool keywords. There's one called grow, and grow uh, allows a minion to predictably uh, enhance its stats uh, at the start of your turn by however much is on the card. So you'll see cards like the, uh, the earth Walker, a three mana two, four, and it grows by plus one, plus one every turn. Uh, or if you get up to the five mana slot, the Colossus, uh, five mana two, seven, that grows by plus four, plus four every turn. That one's a lot of fun. Um, you also have rebirth. Rebirth is really neat because, and, and I think a lot of, uh, higher level players are really, really high on this mechanic. Because rebirth, when this minion would die, a zero one egg is placed uh, in its spot, and at the end of your next turn. So if it can make it to the end of your next turn, it'll hatch. So if they're really easy to kill, but what this does is it messes with your opponent's action economy, right? And so they have to waste an attack clearing an egg, or else let it go through and rehatch. So it slows down their own proactive plays while you're <clears throat> theoretically maintaining some tempo, even though something of yours died. So it's really, really an interesting mechanic to see these rebirth. Usually they're called slithars, which are these, uh, you know, slithering reptile, think like big lizards. Um, and uh, they can be really impactful. And the, there's a two drop and a four drop that see play in pretty much every uh, Magmar deck because of that yeah. ability to maintain tempo. You'll also see a lot of synergies around uh, buffing up damaged minions um, and self-damaging your minions to uh, give yourself other beneficial effects. Uh, and then uh, from the removal side, 
a lot of the removal uh, can come from rush minions. There's several things in this faction, which makes this faction so strong, similar to Hearthstone. When you have charge, uh, it makes a big difference. Uh, now, the charge mechanic is, here is called rush, not to be confused with Hearthstone's rush, where you can't hit the face, because you absolutely can hit the general with these rush minions. Um, and there's multiple of them in Magmar, probably the most. And they're quite good uh, from a effect standpoint and from a cost perspective at like five, six. And I think there's a three drop legendary that gives other things that you summon next to it rush, uh, which can, if you manage to pull that card, which I have not yet, um, really sort of give you some neat combos on turn six. Oh, I'm going to play this three drop and another three drop. And now that is rush. Um, from a removal perspective, you also have the ability to destroy low health minions. There's a very, very strong card called natural selection. I think, um, which allows you to destroy a minion with the lowest attack. And if it's tied, you get to choose. So what that Very does strong. is because you have a lot of really high attack creatures yourself, uh, hopefully you can just kill one of your opponent's things with the lowest attack, but you also can set up board states where, okay, I would like to kill my opponent's four attack creature, but they have a one attack creature blocking it. Maybe I can devote my efforts towards clearing the one attack cre uh, creature with the creatures I have and using their attacks, and then it will be freed up for the natural selection to clear the uh, the four attack creature my opponents. And so you don't have to play it right away on your turn, but you can set up your trades and such to really capitalize on it. And of course, it immediately shuts down certain things uh, like walls or um, like the gateways from Vitruvian that we were mentioning earlier. Vitruvian hates running into Magmar because Magmar's got this perfect removal at two mana to kill their three mana thing that they need to get going. Um, so that is certainly a, a really powerful thing. And it also synergizes with yet another thing that Magmar can do that's really neat, which is turning enemies and transforming enemies into either eggs of themselves, or uh, there's a big, powerful five-mana card uh, called uh, Metamorphosis, where for just that turn, it transforms all of the enemy minions into little 1-1 uh, one -one creatures. And of course, that means that they are likely going to be the weakest thing on the board, and that something like Natural Selection or a Plasma Storm at five mana, destroy minions with three or less attack, uh, can really clean up the board uh, in a really unique way. Um, it, it, they have really... Uh, it's, a, it's usually a two-piece removal. Most of the stuff they have requires other setup, but is mana efficient, if that makes sense. Um, and so you, if you have the right thing for the right situation, you can make these incredibly mana-efficient removal plays and really, really mess up your opponent. So if you're playing against Magmar as a new player, uh, just be aware of those two-mana natural selections and make it hard on your opponent uh, to set up board states where the thing that you really want to protect is the lowest attack. And that may mean taking a one cost and hiding it in the back somewhere. Um the powerful strategies that we see most common for Magmar, uh, it's pretty strong right now on the whole. And I think that that's typically because it has a very strong in-faction uh, curve of these really strong units that you don't need to go too far out of faction to replace. Things like the Young Slithar, uh, things like the Elucidator, which is a four-mana rush minion. Uh, which is really effective at closing games out or serving a spot removal, uh, the veteran Slithars, and of course the Spirit Harvester, which is a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five that does 2 damage to 
everything at the end of the turn, allowing you to have some situational but very powerful removal from a creature that's going to keep living and doing it over and over and over. So you see a mid-range archetype uh, for the most part, and you can even set up certain plays, uh, finishing plays with a combo with the artifact Twin Fang, which is whenever one of your minions takes damage on that turn, it buffs up the general. And you'll see this serve as the biggest finisher in a lot of these games that they can control the board and set up certain plays where the Twin Fang is equipped, the general's in position to attack, and then they start taking trades, whittling down their own forces and setting up a big finish. So um, Magmar is very good. You can play it sort of on a more controlly side and wait out for these big sort of seven and eight drop uh, creatures that you can put in your deck. You can also play it a more up-tempo uh, with some lower drops. But at the end of the day, it's all circling around that core four, five drop, uh, and even a six drop rush minion that can really just be used in so many situations. Yeah. Uh, just a quick note. I think, I don't know if you had mentioned this keyword. Did you, did you already mention grow as I a did. mechanic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then did you mention Frenzy? Because I think Magmar is the only one that has Frenzy uh, as well, no, or you one see, of the major Frenzy. You see Frenzy in other factions and including neutrals, but Frenzy is something that Magmar can give to its creatures fairly easily, and Frenzy allows you to hit everything in an area around you. So that's a good highlight there, Gibby. Uh, again, sort of playing with the feral archetype, you, you really can uh, take a, a uh, an approach where you're buffing up your minions and giving them these cool keywords uh like frenzy <laughs> yeah absolutely yes magmar is strong and you want them to get get big i almost view magmar as like a play minion first removal second because especially if you're playing like grow units like you want them on board so that way they can take advantage of the growth mm-hmm. or if you're going to remove something for example turning to turn it into an egg you need to have something on board if you don't have your general in position to be able to get to the egg and kill it, otherwise it's just going to pop and and be back into the, whatever minion it was previously. So it's almost like, okay, build something on board and then just leverage the, the efficiency of the spells that it's got. Yeah. I think along with, uh, Lionar and, you know, maybe Abyssian, this is one of the best sort of new player friendly factions to get into. Um, and, you really like there's a lot of uh cards that will come in the starter deck that you can get a lot of value out of and even though they'll be phased out probably later in the um you know in the the game as you increase your collection things like dampening wave or or mana burn some cards that you might have in your starter deck uh amplification or um what is the uh the other one greater fortitude although greater fortitude sees some play just got nerfed i think um these are cards that will be highly effective and highly flexible as a new player and you're trying to eke out games and learn the you know learn duelist so mm-hmm. i think like i said uh alongside abyssian and Lionar, probably t- the the three best factions uh to to maybe get started with as a new player as you feel out the game well, hey guys, this is a quick overview of each of the factions in Duelist. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. We thought it would be really fun to kind of record and talk through a little bit about what we've been enjoying and what we've experienced in the game so far. Be sure to let us know what you're thinking about Duelist as we're taking the adventure. Next week will be the final episode of our coverage of Duelist. And then after that, uh, we're going to move on to a new game and we'll announce what that new game is next week. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and listening to this episode. We appreciate you and be sure to come back again next week.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network.